back to our Hello. black mental health check-in <laughs> yes um i mean we got really great feedback about this last time so i mean why why not just like keep it going and it's good for both of our i feel like our health as well just talking about it so we'll start there how are you doing you know what's going I'm, on mentally <laughs> physically I'm, I'm doing a lot better than I was last week that's for sure um last week was really hard I um went in on Monday and I think I shared like how I was just not into it at all and nobody was asking me how I was and all that stuff mm-hmm. and then um Wednesday I actually got pulled over and oh, yeah, um, yeah, story. yeah. Um, I got pulled over and um, I made like an illegal U-turn or something and I was on my way to work. So um, he pulled me over and he asked for like my license and he wasn't trying to like take my license because, um, you know, COVID and everything. So he was just having me hold it while he like took down my information And I guess, like, my hand was, like, shaking and stuff. And he asked me, it was, like, a a younger white uh, male cop. And he asked me if I was nervous. And I just started bawling. (laughs) I was, like, I started crying. And um, he was just, like, it's okay. Like, I'm not going to hurt you. Um, Blah, blah, blah. And I was, like, I know. It's It's just been a lot that I've been, like, trying to process with everything that's going on right now and it was just timing of the whole situation and so I mean he was really nice and like we got to talking about everything and he was just like reassuring me like yeah like it's hard for us too because we're not all bad guys and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. you know it sucks that the people that are out there who are like ruin it for the rest of them and stuff and so he had a good conversation just like where I was at and where he was at and with everything and Um, He ended up giving me a warning, which was nice. But then I was late to work because here I am just having a conversation with this cop in the Taco Bell parking lot. Yeah. um, So then I had to go to work. At this point, I hadn't talked to my clinical instructor about how I was doing. And um, so then I go into work and had to explain to my CI why I was late and told him everything and told him that I was just like struggling with everything that was happening. Yeah. Um, and um, started crying. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. And I felt so awkward because he was just, I don't think he was expecting me to start crying or say anything. And so he was just looking at me wide eyed, like, oh my gosh, like, are you okay? Well, if there's anything that like we can do, then let me know. Or he was like, are you okay to treat patients today? blah blah blah. and I was like yeah I'm fine like I can suck it up or whatever but um yeah yeah but did you tell him like yeah I told him yeah I told him like how I was doing and like how everything was like upsetting me and stuff like that and he was receptive of it and like it was um he works in like a group office so then like somebody ended up walking in and so then the conversation kind of got cut short but I appreciated the fact that like afterwards he um was like hey um I know our conversation got cut short but like if you still want to talk about it like we can and stuff like that yeah that was good yeah so um yeah and then our manager addressed it during the meeting I don't know if he addressed it because like earlier in the week I was crying but he addressed the fact that like hey I know that we live in like 
a rural a part of Texas in a conservative state and like some of our um some of our uh patients might not have like the best views on situations like my manager was saying this so I was kind of surprised um and mm -hmm. so uh, but he was like it's just important that we treat all of our patients especially like our more diverse population like with respect especially during like this time because like you know this is a hard time for especially people of color and I was like, surprised that he was saying this I was like well he you probably saw me crying. And, yeah. And, yeah, I thought uh, it was a little fuel to the fire, but yeah, I mean, it's good it that was. he said something. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, he had um, said something about that. So I felt good that he had said something, um, at least, and had addressed it. Because before then, like the week, two weeks that all this stuff had been going on, he hadn't really said anything. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. And, then I, yeah and then I felt better yeah. after that and went to the protest, but we can get into that later. Anyway, yeah, good. Very long-winded. <laughs> no, no, that was good. I mean, that was all very valid. Like you had a very yeah. um, interesting experience, like getting pulled over by a cop at this point in time, and just like your emotions taking over you in that moment. Because I mean, I always think about how we react in that, and you had to live through that. So, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I'm glad that you guys had a good conversation and like comforted you in that moment. Because I mean, that is scary. Like that's the reality. It is scary. Yeah. And I haven't been pulled over in so like I can't remember the last time I've been pulled over girl me and, neither. And to get pulled over now I was like are you kidding me <laughs> like, yeah no for real me, I you know? really try to drive safe so I avoid being pulled over so yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> but, How have you been? um so I've been I've been better uh <laughs> since last week I looked crazy like I was not okay I wasn't <laughs> sleeping at all <laughs> I was not sleeping I was just consuming way too much of the media and just taking way too much of that in. But I feel like, you know, like after, I mean, we'll get into it, but after I went to the protest last week in Houston here, I it kind of like flipped a switch in me and I kind of went into more like action mode instead of, not, not I want to say instead of mourning, because I mean, I'm still always mourning everything that's going on, but it's more so now that I think I'm able to, uh, think more as far as like, okay, so what should I be doing next? And like, how do we keep this momentum going kind of mindset and not just me feeling stuck? Because normally that's how I always feel. I just feel stuck and sad and just like not able to process anything. I don't want to process and I fight it. But yeah, so I'm getting to the point now, like I'm doing okay. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm making it. Yeah. So what else have you done to like get yourself to that point? Because you said you were like, you know, going on you took like a break from social media and you went to the protest yeah uh, where those like the two main things that kind of helped think, you yeah definitely um and also just like talking about it like i mean i don't know if you got on the call last night with our faculty at utmb mm -hmm. um but that it was just a very healing experience for me mm -hmm. and i feel like talking about the situation thing just hearing like other especially white people's perspective right now has been very um powerful in a weird way because i mean i don't know like i'll just give examples so um our our school like you team these people don't know they're on like we go to university of texas medical branch in galveston texas and our faculty uh, specifically dr ferroni called a meeting generally just for us to come together and just talk about racism um how to be advocates like just give it an open forum for us to speak and so it was last night like majority of all our faculty was on there which was great and amazing, like even like students that I had never really seen before. And um, 
I was the first one to speak up and kind of, cause she was kind of just like, well, okay, this is the first, like, uh, this is open for us. So we just want to know how you guys are feeling. She kind of like gave an overview and there's like sign for a second and I hate silence and I talk too much anyway. So I'm just like, whatever, I'm just going to talk now. So now I'm going to start crying later. Cause I still have that effect. Like if someone asks me, I'm going to cry. But um, yeah, and so like I kind of just spoke up and like said like how I felt about everything and like what was going on, how I lost friends uh, over the past weekend and stuff. Whenever um, people just kind of said how they felt about everything that was going on, and just hearing how our the people in leadership over us spoke about this and just kind of I don't like saying the word woke, but literally that's like some of our professors are just like whoa, like I just never would expect that some of them say these are like older older white people who are in leadership, in healthcare, and things of that sort that, um, I mean, we never come across this conversation at school, so I would never know how they felt about um, racism or anti-racism and them just growing up in the 60s and 70s and sharing their perspectives. Like, normally that that population of, like, older white people, I'm normally nervous around because I don't know how they feel about things because, like, they grew up in a different time period than us. So it was yeah. just very 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 comforting to hear them really speak out and say like you know like they have lost some friends the past weekend like how they're just you know how they're aware of what's going on and even just one one powerful thing that um, one of our professors said like she was just like yeah like i'm married to a black man and uh whenever this started happening this is my first time i really ever asked him just about any of this stuff and she was like and we've been married for 12 years and she was saying kind of like yeah like that that's really bad that i've never said anything about that so i mean like that just shows you know, part like parts like ignorance that can be um, as white person you can have. But she said um, it's great that she's actually now like talking, had these conversations with him and learn some more about him. But even yeah. with that, I was just like, whoa, like that's that's just like a very you know like interesting perspective and stuff. And you just hearing the mm -hmm. students um, that uh, are non-black and just like I mean, it was like me and Jordan and other other black students. So we have a black professor. I don't. Her name's Dr. Yeah. Richards. Yeah, I didn't so know that. She got hired like last year, but she doesn't. Yeah, she. Okay, I, me and Kara, just like, who is this lady? I'm like, she was like, talking like I'm trying to find her contact. Like, I didn't know that, so that was great. But I mean, overall, like, it was it was really powerful for me and like a healing experience. Even like, of course, I start crying. Oh my gosh! And so, so my, I did. I started crying. Oh, just like, cause I mean, one of the students said something as far as like with them having difficulties explaining. To their parents how what's going on racism stuff of that sort and like one girl she was just saying how it's just been really tough having conversations like going back and forth with their parents really talking about it and trying to get them to understand but like they don't and yeah. i mean that kind of just hit me really hard because i know and i hope and pray that people are having these conversations right now across the country um non-black people specifically and just like really trying to tackle that but it's interesting how people can still just be so stuck in their ways that it's like they're, they don't waver from whatever they're thinking or feeling, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of what made me cry and just like, mm -hmm. you know, cause I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like people, it's, I don't know, <laughs> but it's yeah. all good. You know, it's fine. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm doing better. So, I mean, the only way I feel like it's going up from here. So. Yeah. Definitely. That's awesome. Well, I definitely wish I could have joined into that call. I was still at work and then I was driving and I couldn't find the link, but it definitely sounds like it was a beneficial experience for sure to like mm -hmm. have that conversation here. Yeah. Like, especially because I know lots of, sorry. And I, I was going to say, like especially no. people of color, like talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And like lots of PT schools and people like in our black excellence emotion group, like they've been having to email their schools and saying like, why haven't you said anything about this? Or like saying like, 
people that say that they're the only black person to hold cohort and like their school hasn't said anything and just like posting what they've sent and stuff. So I'm very grateful. And I know that like, I'm blessed that like we go to UTMB and like they actually care and like they're showing, showing that in action, support, advocate, listening and learning. Cause I know everyone doesn't have that within yeah. their medical programs and stuff of that sort. So. Yeah. And even mm -hmm. within like their own jobs. So like, Something I've been thinking about recently, because, you know, we're about to graduate um, PT school and now we're going to start having to look for jobs. And it was interesting because we were kind of having this conversation in our group text the other day. But like whether or not to look for a clinic that is mainly people of color or is owned mm -hmm. by somebody who is a person of color or things like that. And I'm so conflicted on that because part of me really wants to do that because I want to make like I want to feel like I belong in a space and I'm welcomed and like people are going to have my best interest at heart. But at mm -hmm. the same time, first of all, that's hard to find. Because, I was going to say, because I, I know like at least for African-Americans, African-Americans make up like 2% of the or like something like that. Um, yeah, it's like 2.5, something like that. Yeah, Very low. percent of the physical therapy <laughs> population. And then. On top of that, like, considering that most places are, like, ma uh, you know, majority um, white, then yeah. part of me feels like I should be that person who is in the white space to, like, make it more diverse and to, like, help bring in more people of color. But then part of me is, like, I don't want to have to be the token all the time. Yeah. And so it's hard to find a balance between not wanting to be the only person of color and also wanting to like, you know, uh, be welcomed in a space. So yeah. um, what are you no, looking I definitely, for? Yeah. Um, well, um, I mean, at this point in time, I don't really have a, a choice because I already know I'll be working next year. Um, yeah, yeah but uh, yes, but I mean, as far as like what you're saying, I know I definitely understand that. I think I do go back and forth about that a lot of times as far as like, okay, do I want to go and infiltrate this white space and like try to make it more diverse and then just go ahead as far as like speaking and talking and teaching on like how we can become more diverse and like mm -hmm. help our patients more and be that person, you know, that is a teacher, an educator. I mean, I think that's very person specific as far as like, do do you feel like you want to be that person doing that all the time because I mean sometimes I'd be tired and like I feel like <laughs> it really is tired. I feel like I've been doing that my whole life so mine yeah. is college because I was in an all-black space at HBCU but I mean after that you know back into the real world it's just like I, I get tired a little sometimes so I mean it's just like that I think the battles kind of goes as far as like are we are you able to find a place that is owned by yeah. a person of color that's a physical therapy clinic in your area are you gonna find one somewhere else like in atlanta where it is and go out and move there for that and uproot your whole life or are you gonna find a place where you're already at and planted where you can have i mean a space where i mean you might most likely will be the only person of color in there um but if they're welcomed by you trying to bring in and create more diversity within the area and space i mean that's a great opportunity so it really just you know it's based on what are you up for? You know, know. <laughs> how and much energy do you have to me, give? That makes me think, like, whenever I do look for places to work, like, asking questions about how they feel, uh, how they feel they are um, encouraging diversity within their workspace, or, like, 
I don't know, like asking questions about like what were the, what were y'all's actions during like times yeah, like no, this? You know what I mean? Valid questions. So, yeah, because I don't want to end up working for one of those companies that was silent during this whole thing. Like I want to make sure that wherever I'm working, like our values align and they support and like are looking out for people of color. You know? Cause yeah. I'm so passionate about that, especially within healthcare. I feel like it's so important for everybody to have equal opportunities and to mm -hmm. be equally represented. And so, um, yeah, those are questions that I feel like I would want to ask, but uh, I feel like it would be weird. Like, how are you trying to enhance diversity in your workspace? And they'll be like, well, we're interviewing you, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, no, no, seriously. Okay. So, uh, I mean, that leads into like what the first question, like the top we're talking about anyway, as far as like speaking up about racism within your workspace and as far as specifically the healthcare for us and things of that sort. And I will give an example. During my residency interview, when you have like the whole, so it was like a whole table of just all white people and probably one black girl, one black lady who like created the whole residency program. And they're asking me questions all the time. And they're like, hey, do you have questions for us? And I had already had my question planned. Cause I mean, during, throughout this whole process of me just being, um, wanting to be a, a physical therapist and just being in a whole like healthcare space in general, like I've just been making like, okay, like I'm here for black people and diversity and people of color and really promoting that. So I said that I was just like, so I'm very passionate about making spaces diverse. Um, there's as far as like health disparities within the black community specifically, uh, we are definitely people that are, are most uh, disenfranchised when it comes to those sort of things. And I'm very passionate about being around a space of people that are making um, therapists that are able to treat all different populations and people of color. And I like really asked them like, so what are you doing within your residency program to be sure that you're producing residents that are aware of these things and that they're prepared to treat different populations? And, and girl, when I tell you the room was silent, like it was silent. <laughs> they were like, this they were, they, it was like a deer in headlights. Like, yeah. and I was just like. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then, so, I mean, one of the ladies, uh, the other, only other black lady in the room, like, she spoke up and stuff, like, about, like, what they've been doing. Um, I don't, I think I was still kind of blacked out, so I don't remember what she said and stuff. And, like, some people kind of said, like, their patients are, we're, we live in Houston, the most diverse place, like, within um, America, one of the most diverse places in America. And that was kind of, like, it, so. Yeah. So, yeah. But... <laughs> But yeah, but I mean, like, with that statement being said, like, we, I think that in healthcare, do you feel like we have more of an opportunity and space as in licensure to actually, like, speak out about these matters of racism, police brutality? Like, how are you feeling? Because I've been seeing lots of things and conversations, I mean, specifically with my parents as well, that I'll share that we had gone back and forth about me speaking about this, how lots of times, like, the older generation does not agree black people like my father is black so we had gotten into it last week about me speaking out and like posting things on facebook about racism police brutality he was just like you can't say that because no. you are entering the workforce and <laughs> like in, in like and you don't know what's coming for you and like all this different stuff and i'm just like okay like to an extent i feel like back in the day i would have gotten that but i think it's a little different I, and he wasn't understanding that like he is a software engineer, so I'm like, you work in corporate America. So, like, I've been seeing yeah. you, like, growing up and stuff, and as far as, like, speaking about how 
you being the only black man in the room, like finding out that you weren't getting paid as much as somebody else who has less credentials for you, or you being laid off and having to find a new job, you have all these different certifications and you have your degree and then they find this little bitty thing and be like, well, we can't hire you because of this and that. So like mm -hmm. little, little minute things and microaggressions that he's gone through with the corporate America, which is why I did not want to be in corporate America. That's why yeah. I chose healthcare. Um, but just like, kind of like we have butted heads over that for a while now. We really haven't like, mm -hmm. I just talked to him yesterday because I mean, I'm like, okay, I'm going to call my dad. But it's just like, I think, I feel like, and I have been seeing like people posting and having conversations and saying like their parents don't understand. They say like them speaking out of police brutality is going to affect them getting a job and it's going to affect their career because all this stuff is going to be posted on. Like, so making it seem like, seem like it's a political issue, but they're yeah. not understanding it's a human rights issue. So what are your thoughts? That's exactly what I was going to say. And honestly, like, in my opinion, if somebody sees that I'm posting about Black Lives Matter and things like that, I don't necessarily want to work for you anyway, if you're gonna <laughs> not if you're not gonna agree. I, I think that like, if anything, that kind of weeds out like the people that I don't want to work for, because yeah, like, like you said, it's not a political matter. It's a human rights issue. Like we're not, we're not fighting for anything other than equality and social justice. So I think yeah. that somebody, didn't agree with that and that would be hard and I know it sometimes can be like a maybe like a generational thing or they don't necessarily see like the impact that you're trying to have especially over social media and how this can be mm -hmm. used as a platform in order to speak up um they might not see that but at the same time I think that it's very important to try to use your voice in whatever capacity that you have and if somebody's not okay with you me using my voice in a productive space and don't want to hire me because of that, then, you know. Yeah, I don't want to either. Yeah, I've, <laughs> had, I've had to get comfortable, like, you know, having those awkward conversations even in workplaces because, um, I mean, I told you, like, my last clinical instructor was, like, making racial stereotype, like, racial stereotype uh, comments about Mexicans. And yeah. so there was one time, like, everybody left the clinic and me and him were the last ones in and I forgot I like acted like I forgot something and I had to like you know go in there and be like hey like I've been noticing that you've been saying x y and z like mm -hmm. and I just wanted to let you know that this is how it's perceived by me and I don't want you to end up saying that in front of like a patient or somebody else and them you know misconstrue your words and misconstrue your intentions because I know that you're a good person but they don't know that yeah and, like and this is how it's coming across and luckily yeah. like by that point and I think it's all about you know the our girl on the real says it's not what you say it's how you say it yes and, Amanda Seal shout her out yes follow her Tamara. and uh, <laughs> and so um I think Whenever you're having those conversations, especially in a work type setting, it's very important to do everything that you do with respect, obviously. Yeah. But I think it is important, especially when we do work within like a healthcare field, which is a service industry, that you're making sure that you kind of check people and making sure that every like people aren't saying things that are going to end up offending your patient population. Yeah, so, no, definitely. I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, and just to read some of these comments, uh, Patrice said, uh, just speaking about as far as like finding professions and stuff, 
That's so hard because the stats show that our professions are so underrepresented. As nice as it might sound, it's so rare to find. We're going to have to help create these spaces for us. I totally agree. Like that is a job part of us and action plan that I feel like we're gonna have to do is take create these spaces for us so we can have our diverse populations. And someone else said, uh, my mom said the same because of the military, like, bro, I'm black first. No, definitely Tati, like that. And that's the thing I'm saying, like, I'm, no matter what, I'm black first. Like I am black first before whatever job I have. And that's interesting too with you being in the military. I've been wondering about that. If you can speak yeah. more on that Tati, like how does that go as far as just speaking out? Because I know just from my family that's in the military and my older uncle, I feel like lots of things that they like can't say or aren't allowed to say. So, I mean, do you get backlash about saying things? Something I mean, technically like, I mean, Trump is like you guys, it's whatever you, you call him, like the person you salute chief. I don't know. I don't know military stuff, mm -hmm. but like, but yeah, so if you can speak more about that as far as just like if, but in the military space and stuff and just speaking about racism, how that's been for you. But um, by I me, mean, yeah, it's just like, I don't, I don't want to work for a place that isn't going to be supportive of me being a black woman. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to be comfortable in that space in general. So if someone, and I'm not, I'm not going to put my career before black lives yeah. or anybody's lives. That's I'm not going to put my career before humans' lives. So yeah. it's just like that, that's a simple matter of fact. So, and that's why I'm just been trying to like explain to my dad and honestly, my mom, like she kind of got it. Like she understood, uh, mm -hmm. but my dad, which my mom works in healthcare, which is why she understood. But yeah. it's just like, I mean, people in here that work in corporate America, if you can touch on just like your experience, I feel like in corporate America, it's harder, especially mm -hmm. if you work for companies. Like my sister was talking about um, some of our, uh white sister people like that they work at companies oklahoma oklahoma is very very racist mm -hmm. um so glad i'm not there anymore but like but like places like boeing and like things of that sort like very um i feel like old companies that yeah. are in that space and kind of like if you do say something i feel like i've been noticing people that work in those areas and stuff like they like are very hesitant to speak out yeah. so i would really just like like to know what that is like for them by I me mean, i feel like at the end of the day it still just goes back to why would you want to be there yeah why would you want to be there and that's a whole that's the whole thing too i think it makes it difficult to work in a certain space where like they nobody acknowledges what's going on um because i think it is easier and you feel more comfortable to speak up if somebody especially a leadership position even just sends out an email hopefully it's sincere that like states how you yeah know, they acknowledge what's sincere. going on and how like this could be affecting their employees but i feel like if you don't get any of that support you can be you can feel unseen by you know the people that you work with and particularly managers and supervisors and things like that so i mean that's can be a really hard situation to navigate and i know some of my friends are struggling with that right now as well it's just how like how long do you wait and like um like i don't know do you approach them about the situation or not it's it's hard like because part of you wants to ask them like why haven't you addressed this yeah you know? um no definitely yeah. and even just like touching on like sending out an email so i don't know if anyone here if you follow web pt um, but they sent out an email last week, and this is, I know this because they posted in our Black Excellence Emotion group me, 
which is like a whole bunch of black physical therapists. And um, <laughs> what'd you say? I really need to join that still. Huh? Oh yeah, I'll, I'll add it to you. Okay. I joined at CSM, but like yeah. I'll add you, girl. But um, yeah, I had read this too. So WebPT sent out an email. So the gist of it was just like, we just wanted to come out and speak and say that we are very um, sad about the death about George Floyd and we support Black Lives Matter, blah, 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 blah. All right, back to our regular scheduled program. Then it's like a picture of a lady and just like, she's just smiling there and just saying like, this is a blah, 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 talking about something else. And we were just like, we circled like, why did you need to say back to your regular scheduled program? Yeah. And it was like, when I first read it, I didn't buy myself, I didn't like dig into it. But then like a second later, somebody posted in the group chat. And I said, I was like, I knew I wasn't crazy. It was just kind of like, <laughs> that was, but even that, like, that's a microaggression. And it's just yeah. like, why? Like, why glad we covered put... that and we stated yeah, something. Yeah, and I feel like, now we people... can move on. Yeah. Exactly. I'm just like, okay, business is sending out these emails and stuff. So I'm just like, how much of this is actually showing that they're actually up for action change and things of that sort? Or are they just like checking out the box? All right. All right. Let's keep our black quota and just send out our yeah. email and stuff. Because that's yeah. literally what that felt like. And I was just like, okay, great. I'm not going to use web PT for anything. Let me go ahead and unsubscribe from them. Like that was literally what I, I felt like. Cause yeah. It's crazy. Like why yeah. would you say that? Yeah. So, that girl, I don't know. So yeah, it's it's a hard situation to try to navigate. And I I can't speak for what corporate America is like, but I can imagine that it would be difficult because I'm in healthcare and I feel like it's difficult even yeah. now. And um, so, but even yeah. another thing with healthcare too, my sister and I talked about because she's a nurse, and we we're just saying like, what our dad also does nursing is just like, okay, we have licenses. Like, I mean, I don't have it yet. I have the Ju July 28th. But you know, but like in healthcare. You have a license, so it's different from just being in corporate America where, like, you're hired kind of based on, like, your personality or just, like, whatever degree you have. But, like, here as PTs, OTs, nurses, like, you have a license that, like, you work off of in that aspect. Um, ooh, okay. Peacocks and Cowboys, you work in corporate America. Can you please speak about uh, talking about racism in your space and whether or not you feel like it's okay? Would you want to work for a company? that actually has not said anything about racism on your comfortability level with that. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of just like, if I get fired from a place from saying like Black Lives Matter, like speaking about a human rights issue, be like, I'm gonna go to the next one because there's so many opportunities. So it's kind of like a different <laughs> mindset, I feel like that, yeah. I mean, I just like can't touch on as far as the corporate wise because it's kind of not, it's not really the same thing, you know? So yeah. I don't... I can imagine how people would be like skeptical about that right now, considering like the job. Yeah, everybody's unemployed, like, like going to a Great Depression. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just everything that's happening with COVID and stuff like that. I can understand why people wouldn't necessarily be as like encouraged to speak up and like have the confidence in order to do so, considering like, okay, if this goes left, will I have other options? Like that can definitely feel limited. And, um, so yeah, I can see how that could be like a hard situation to try to navigate, especially during these times. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, um, so even with that, just like our experience with protesting. So both of us have gone to a protest within the past week. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, for you, like what, what really motivated you to decide to go to a protest? I mean, if you look at the media, you would think that protests were all hell and like, why, why are people doing that? It's dangerous. Yeah. And that's, and that's something that really frustrated, has frustrated me is that people make it seem like 
you know, oh my gosh, you're going to a protest. Like I even, I spoke out about that. Like I was going to one at work. Um, cause people would be like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Things like that. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to hang out with friends. I'm going to go to a march on Saturday, blah, blah, blah. And they'd be like, oh, like, where are you going? Like, you be mm-hmm. careful, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I feel like it'll be pretty safe. And like, if anything does get out of hand, like I'll leave, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not going to run. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to try to. Yeah, I'm not gonna try to get arrested or, die yeah. or something like that. Like, I still value my life, but, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I understand that like not all protests are violent, and I'm gonna try to use my voice in whatever capacity I can. Hey, I don't have any money, but I can speak up about what I am passionate about and what matters to me. And um, yeah, so it is frustrating. And I definitely had situations where I was at work or I had talked to people just in general about how I was going to march. And they would be like, oh, you got to be careful about all that rioting and all that looting that's happening and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yes, yes, that is going on in some situations, but there are way more peaceful protests that probably don't get enough attention. And I plan to go to one of those and, you know, speak about how Black Lives Matter. (laughs) No, definitely. People. Because I'm just not going to let them have that be the narrative that carries on. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, So, but I definitely was motivated just because I, like, like you said, um, we had all this energy that we felt like we needed to do something with. And (laughs) I was really motivated to like, try to use that to, um, you know, in some productive way, I felt like, and being in that environment was just like very empowering um, for me to, you know, especially because I went to a protest in South Lake, Texas, which if anybody knows South Lake, Texas, like it's a very predominantly white, very affluent like um, area. And um, I was honestly went there kind of like, well, is anybody going to show up? Because there's about uh, three black people in South Lake. (laughs) Yeah, facts. Yeah, exactly. And so I was like, really uh, wondering if like people were going to show up. So um, whenever I did go and like saw how there was like a big crowd of people and how um, everybody was like, for Black Lives Matter, I felt very encouraged and very empowered by that. So it definitely helped me and I definitely needed it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wanted to hear about your experience because I feel like me going to a march or a protest in South Lake can be extremely different than what a protest looks like in Houston. So yeah, no, um, yeah, like I, so I just for context, I went to the protest last Tuesday that um, George Floyd's family had asked us to peacefully walk with them and march to Houston City Hall. That's okay. um, and so, and if you guys watched the IG live from last week, you know, y'all saw me, like, I was so nervous by asking to go that my, I asked my instructor, but I finally did. And she was very receptive and just like, oh, no, definitely go. Um, and so, and very encouraging at that point as well. So going there, like leading up to it, I was very nervous. Like me and Greg had a game plan. We was just like, okay, so we're going to go in there. We're going to march. We're going to make the city hall. We're going to like chill around for like 30 minutes. And that's that we're out. So this person started at 3 p.m., which was great. It was in the evening, so I felt, because I, I mean, like, I was still just getting the information from the media, just, like, how everything was bad, people were looting, and just, like, the media just makes everything just sound so crazy, and even when I touch on that, how they try to do that with Houston, I'm just like, bro, I was there, what are y'all talking about? Is Houston so- have a curfew, too? No, we don't have a curfew. Oh, okay. Dude, I don't know, I've been out, so, so, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't told, I don't, I don't have cable.
tables, so I don't have news. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Dallas made a 7 p.m. curfew, so, like, the people in downtown Dallas, like, couldn't protest past 7 p.m., or they were, like, arresting people who were on, still on the streets. So I was wondering if it was the same situation for Houston. But anyway. I feel like, okay, and just with that being said, um, I'll just – so how Teresa's saying the microaggressions of the protests and working in healthcare – some facilities won't let you in if you have been around large crowds of people. So I feel like that these um, curfews that have been set for cities are microaggressions as well as far as just like trying to contain people from speaking out. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't agree. I ain't gonna say that. I mean, looting, okay, I'm not gonna go and loot and stuff. But like, even with that, I've been seeing posts as far as like people, there's like groups of people instigating looting, like they're going to these protests and like their whole purpose is looting to make it a bad experience for everybody yeah. to make it seem like it's just, it's just a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and then this uh, defined by case says, I can't stand people that try to emphasize on the looting problems as if the things like, if things like the Tulsa massacre didn't happen. Girl, yes. Oh my gosh. Like that is just, I, I cannot like, I don't even want to get into the conversation about looting today because I, I can't. But and, um, so, yeah, answer, so. An, to answer Laura's question about like how curfews and how people how they're forcing people to stay inside. So literally, like um, the Dallas police was like arresting you if you were on the street, like if you were if you were out within a. They basically set up like a certain district um, within downtown, and if you were it if you were out. And you were within the parameters of that um, curfew space, then you yeah. would get her. So that's how they were trying to enforce it, and they were um, trying to enforce it very uh, strictly. So, yeah, that's mm -hmm. insane. So, no, I don't think Houston has enforced anything of that sort. But um, yeah, so going back to the protests, um, we so we marched to City Hall. It was like a lot, so many people, and this is why it was very healing for me. And I said like that's where the turn happened for me because it was just. I needed to see that it wasn't just black people talking about like, you know, let's fight for this movement. We weren't on people like screaming, chanting, irritated, emotional about this. Like I, I needed to see non-black people out there literally with some, I mean, some white people had some dope signs. I'm not even gonna lie. I was literally just taking pictures of all of them. But like, it's just, I needed to see that because that is just where the change is gonna come from. And I think that's where I started to just become more hopeful because what you can see on the media and see from people posting on even like social media, it's like you can, we highlight all the negative things that people saying. So it kind of makes it feel like that is a majority saying that, um, which I mean, there is still like a huge amount. I'm not discounting people that really do feel that way. Like there is a amount, no. but just seeing that people are out there with their little kids, their babies, like it's mm -hmm. white people, black people. I don't care if they're red, orange, green people, whatever color they were, it didn't matter. We were all sitting there chanting George Floyd's name, just um, standing up, walking by the police and like not even being like rude and stuff, but really just like kneeling next to them and just showing like, okay, like this is literally all of America. We're trying to get to a better place and like younger people out there. Um, and like, I just had, I feel like that is what I'm holding on to like that's what our next generation is coming to that's what our future is going to look like uh but we just need to keep this momentum going and not just let this be some sort of trend um yeah. because I think that I don't want the next week two weeks or so like now okay George Floyd um especially like rest in peace to him his funeral service um were today and his homegoing service was um also on the news all day today and so I'm continuously praying for his family. I hope that they've been able to heal throughout all of this. But 
now that he's been laid to rest, I don't want the momentum to stop at this point. Like we still, there are issues that need to be dealt with. And that's kind of like the next step. Like, you know, now we're protesting, we're speaking out about it, but like, what's next? You know, what, yeah. what are you going to do to actually like keep this going and know that this issue needs to be solved, handled, and we just have a plan that's set out. Um, and so Defined by Case says, I've seen some videos where if they weren't in their home, they got shot with paintballs or something. Oh, yeah. And so on our um, call last night, Dr. Wild had mentioned her daughter has been going to protests in Denver. Yeah, well, Colorado. I don't know if it's specifically Denver. But she's been saying how just like her daughter had told her, because Dr. Wild said she was just taking in the media and she's just been like pretty like, okay, I don't know the thing about protests. But her daughter told her how a lot of times, like, the media has definitely been skewing what's been going on. She said, her daughter said the police literally started shooting rubber bullets at them. Yeah. She said her daughter hid behind trees. And, like, no, she said it was a peaceful protest. Dr. Wilde is why her daughter's white. So just the yeah. context of the conversation. And she's like, yeah, they started shooting rubber bullets at them. They shot out tear gas. And she said her daughter was literally out there watching tear gas out of the eyes of little children. And so, but, like, the media isn't saying that. So it's like, yeah. they're not putting that out there. That's not what they're giving as far as information. They're making things seem like it's always like the protests always go wrong. They always go bad. And going back to Houston, okay, I was at that protest. I get back into work the next day and I'm like telling my CI and everybody in the workplace how it was great. So one patient asked me, I told her like about that I went to protest. She was just like, whoa, like you were there. I heard it got pretty bad. And I said, what? And like, and if we stayed out there, I mean, a little bit longer than we did. I'm just like, no, it was not that. She's like, well, they said they had made like arrests and things of that sort. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? What is what is the news saying? Because it was not like that at all. It literally mm -hmm. was very peaceful. And even if there were like a few arrests, because I mean, there's always been people that do different yeah. things. What is like, why is that the highlight of the conversation? <laughs> like, why did you hear about that? Yes. All the things. Why is that what you're talking to me about? Don't talk to me about that. I don't want to talk yeah. about that. You know? Yeah. So I just, I can't. No, and like, what I realized, too, from my experience is, like, how police officers can make such an impact and how smoothly a protest goes. So, mm -hmm. um, like I said, I went to one, and the cops were straight chilling. Like, mm -hmm. they were not – they weren't threatening at all. Like, they weren't, like, posted up, like, doing anything. If anything, they were, like, on the side of the walls building and like they were just chilling like on their yeah. bikes just like hanging out watching people but that's exactly like nothing because nothing was happening and you're not if you're not posted up like military like we're about yeah. to come at you then like people aren't gonna feel threatened and anything like that so then um i was talking to a police officer after the protests and stuff like that just talking to them about like their perspective on the situation where they feel like they um changes can be made um, and, um, while I was talking to him, he was getting a call, like, Hey, like protesters are like starting to go into the street because basically what was happening was, um, the protest had ended. And then like along, like one of the main roads, um, in the town, um, people were like, um, holding up their sides saying like black lives matter. And like, some people were like starting to like go into the street and like into one of the lanes or whatever. And instead of being like, Oh, like get force like you like get everybody out they're like okay then like close off the lane you know what i mean like mm -hmm. close that part of the street 
And then it was really cool because then they allowed that part of the street to like be closed off. Like they let traffic go through, closed off that part of the lane and then allowed people after the protest to go up and down that part of the street to march peacefully. And it was just such like a good representation of like how police officers don't have to be against you and how they can like help you protest safely. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It was just like, we need more of that. And we need, first of all, for that to be shown in the media that like, you know, there are peaceful protests that are going on and this is how you can implement them. And this is Mm -hmm. how you can help protesters do it safely by, you know, making sure that everybody is in a space where they don't feel threatened and you're able to do it safely. Yeah. Um, Exactly. And so, yeah, and you know? I, I think I think that's just like one of the main points that needs to be highlighted is like mm-hmm. what police officers can do and how their energy can really like dictate the flow of a protest. You know? Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, definitely, especially I saw that he's in here. Like, Greg, I didn't hear it, um, but Greg was telling me there's a police officer who's standing there saying like, you know, like we're all here for you guys. We're just making sure everything goes. So literally talking to all of us, like, we're here for you guys, making sure everything goes safely. Like, we're in full support, um, and we're just here to protect. Like, we're not here to stir anyone up and just literally just talking to us, but being, like, yeah. normal people. Like, that's literally all you have to do. It does not take all of the extra stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, Houston, it was very, like, high tolerance, too. I mean, there was all these helicopters flying around and stuff, and there were state troopers out and people with big guns and stuff but um yeah. i mean just I, as a formality because it's such a big city i mean yeah and he george Floyd was from here but it's just like yeah there was that is how it should be that is what police officers should be doing these protests and that's when the news needs to share with everyone yeah. like i like that that's and that's not what's being shared which is part of the problem even with the protests this ha- history has been made like this is the first time all 50 states in america have protested George Floyd's death and what's happened like that is a historical fact that has not been made in the year 2020 that and even other countries are having protests about yeah yeah Mm -hmm. exactly so um so yeah so with that it's just like for me thinking about like what's next and like this not being a trend and kind of just closing out this uh conversation it's just like I had an interesting conversation with a patient today and he was kind of saying how they were going down to Houston uh, Police Department and they were doing a demonstration that is about I forgot the organization was called but it's like about dismantling the police and he was saying as far as like what the only way that change can truly come is if you dismantle the system and I've heard this conversation multiple times just saying like how things have been the way that America is right now, like, we can say, we've been saying for years that we want change. We've been saying for years that change needs to happen. But because of this is a systemic issue and just all these all these new videos that have come out just explaining, like, how what systemic racism is and how there's literally Black people that live in the towns that people are like, oh, that's a bad side of towns. Like, those people have literally been put there specifically by government in the country and, like, how that needs to be dismantled and how things can be controlled in that sort. So I'm like, he was just saying, like, you know, it starts with dismantling the police, dismantling the con- construct. He said in Cuba, they had a revolution that dealt with them really, like, dismantling their police force. And they allowed people that are within the communities to actually be the people that enforce um, safety around the communities or, like, act as police officers in the community. He was saying, you know, like, within, like, our Black communities, like, we should have 
people that are from the community be the people that are actually like police in the community and not having people from outside sources be the police and come in those communities that already create stereotypes and creates barriers and i was just like dang that makes so much sense like that i really like i definitely agree with that like you in a black community you can't just have an outside not even just like sometimes it can it can be just police force in general no matter what color they are white black blue purple if they're not from that community they don't understand the people that community they don't understand like how to really communicate with them they're gonna come in with unconscious biases that are gonna um be put upon them whenever they're trying to make arrests or actually like control the situation so it's just like i was just like dang like i agree with that and i i don't know how that can like be done I honestly don't at this point. I don't know how to really tear down the system because mm-hmm. it's like, what other option is there? So I'm like, what are your thoughts on you know what's next? What? What? Do you yeah. I, so today I was reading. Um, so President Obama put up like a hundred and fifty page PDF about policing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to, I need to and, look at that. Yes, and um, I tried to read it. I obviously didn't read all 150 pages, but I got to like huh. 30 pages. Of it. <laughs> it's going to take me a minute to get through that. You know, I have, I'm working full time, but I do want to read it because I think it is interesting because it just talks about um, how, first of all, it gives stats um, just talking about, and I can, I can like post like highlights um, yeah. from it because bullet I think points are great. Yeah. I, <laughs> bullet points are great and I can take like screenshots of like what they um of what their key points were but so far um they had talked about like profiling um how they wanted um so basically what they call the policing now is broken window which is basically like you know how police are allowed to like use excessive force and how um like profiling is wrong like is a problem and basically like military uh militarizing like the police system and things like that yeah um how they would like the police force to be is more like community-based where um yeah more involved in um you know i guess like law enforcement kind of um and how police officers like more so help people in the community versus like they called it guardianship versus like um like the protector or something like yeah. that yeah yeah so basically because like right now they were talking about in the thing like you go people go to school and there's like police officers or you go to like anywhere and there's police officers especially within um communities of color like mm-hmm. they're policing those heavy which first of all um uh, makes the crime rates and like um, communities of color higher because they're being policed at higher rates. Yeah. So, yeah. So obviously like if there's more police, they're going to make more arrests, especially if police officers have quotas or whatever they have to meet. And especially because in some of those communities, like police use a lot of like the fines and things like that in order to like, you know, you know, benefit their own department. And so, yeah. yeah so like, um, oh, wow. so- yeah. So, and like, what police metal detectors yeah things like that like how they're using all of these things to like um create like a like a force within especially community yeah and it creates hostility already yeah so then what they were saying is what ends up happening is then you then you have distrust too when that happens and so 
you feel like you are in, if you're in a community where you feel like you're being heavily policed, then you're not going to, and first of all, if you're being heavily policed in like an area that is using also a lot of force, like there's no regulations on what can and cannot be done, then um, yeah, you're not going to trust the police. And then it just creates this like battle between the community and the law enforcement. Yeah, so exactly. The whole like, so far part of what I've read is just like re, um, like redefining the dynamic of the the community and how law enforcement like operates. Yeah. And then when I was talking to the police officer, um, he's the one who told me about like the eight can't wait, um, like thing That's that they're bad. trying. So there's this. Um, kind of like policy that they're trying to make sure that um, police officers implement. Um, and so like one of the things on the eight can't wait is like, um, you know, holding other police officers accountable. You know, if you see a police officer doing something wrong, you are responsible for also stepping in or else yeah. you can also be, yeah, or else you can also be in trouble for the same action. Or, yeah. um, like, de-escalating situations. So, um, instead of just automatically using force, like, mm -hmm. uh, going through all the steps to de-escalate the situation, first verbal and then, you know, other tactics that they can use um, before just shooting someone or doing something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so there's, um, those are just two, but there's eight steps that um, they can, they're trying to take in order to, like, um, for it can't wait um, in order to like, you know, hopefully make the uh, police force better. Um, yeah. and that's what something I wanted to like talk to the chief of yeah. about because would that be effective? Because I think a lot of things that I think about, for example, when it comes to like holding others accountable, whatever. Well, a lot of times when in those situations, unless something's on video, then you can kind of just like, then you're just kind of held up to the honor system. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or you can say that, yes, I tried to, I tried to de-escalate the situation by doing X, Y, and Z, but it didn't work. And I just had to use excessive force. So like, in my opinion, uh, or what I'm wondering is like, how is that actually going to like withstand? It sounds great in theory, but mm -hmm. will it, will it actually be enforced? And especially when you just have to go by the honor system, yeah, that's kind of what people you are know? saying in the comments too. Um, to find that case, the things that shouldn't have to be implemented. Accountability should have been an important factor. Janelle said exactly how the department's completely enforced this. Uh, I don't think it'd be effective. I think it's just something to make African Americans feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah, I mean, those are all like real statements. Like, I'm sitting here too. It's just like, I don't, first of all, why is this already part of the system? Like, why, like, why are we talking about this? Like, why is this so, like, you know, let's not get on that. But yeah. it's just like, it's, I, I don't, just like the history of the police and we have a minute and 46 seconds ringing, so we gotta wrap it up here. But like, you know, just like the history of the police force and that it came from just patrolling slaves and um, really just like putting, being put in African-American communities to increase the crime and to put, to really put people of color like into jail and things like that. So like, I don't know how just like creating a little, eight-step process and not belittling it because I think it's a it's an interesting idea but just creating a process that's really gonna 
create change. I feel like, I just feel like we got to start all over. Like, I just, I don't, I don't think that just making small little changes or even just like when people, uh, I'll make polices take like those tests that make you aware of your like unconscious biases. Yeah. And if they have biases against people of color, don't let them police those communities. Like, don't put mm -hmm. them there. That's not yeah. a good idea. That's going to create friction in general, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's my wrap-up statement. Like, yeah. I don't... But, um, yeah, so just, I mean, really to just... I don't... I, I really just don't feel like creating steps as far as retraining the police force is what's going to make the difference or change in the history of the construct of what the police force was created for. Like, yeah. the police force was created for people of color, if we're going back in the day, specifically Black people. So it's just like, I don't, I don't feel like that is going to be a very effective measure. Um, so I'm really leaning more towards allowing people in those communities to be the enforcers or, or, or like guardians. I'm gonna stop saying enforcers, guardians of the community to keep yeah. structure because they come from it and you have a better understanding and there's more than enough people in the world to make that a better option. Yeah. But that's probably not going to happen because are they, they're not just going to fire all the police. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I struggle with that because I mean, there are like a lot of, um, there's a lot of talk that's going on about like defunding the police. And like, I definitely um, agree that there should be money that's like, relocated from the the police force and then goes into like people communities of color that are under underfunded you know mm -hmm. um putting that into the school systems or putting that towards mental health or doing any literally anything like that but um i don't know how i necessarily feel about just getting rid of the police in general mm -hmm. um because i do think that they have like a place and like they are you know like they are good when they're, you know, they are good and, like, you know, they have their own place. But I've obviously, like, and I don't know how it would look to just completely, like, get rid of them and just start all over. Um, but at the same time, like, there definitely needs to be stronger measures to be taken to, like, you know. Um, yeah. Well, I, I understand that. But it's also just, like, not like it hasn't been done. It hasn't been yeah. done in America, but, like, like I said, like, we can look at the history of what's happened in Cuba. They they literally did that. Like, they've done that. Yeah. And so, and since then, like, it's been an effective strategy. And it's not, and it's really not even just, like, saying, let's just, like, fire all the police and stuff. Just, like, allow those, the police officers to police and, like, guard, be guardians over the communities that they are from. And, yeah. like, not be guardians over communities. They have no idea, like, the history of that community or how the culture is within that community or how to even like yeah. speak and deal with people in that community. I think like that, that would be, I feel like that truly would be an effective strategy. Like, I don't, I don't know anyone else is like feeling stuff, but I just, I feel like the issue is that you have, you go into these places as a police officer with this bias that you, you're, you're okay. You're saying you're fearful of these people because you don't know them. Mm -hmm. um, you don't know how they're going to react. You already have these stereotypes within your um, mind that you've probably grown up with. And so now you're using that as a tactic or force to do your job, which your job is to protect and serve. 
Yeah. So it's like, I don't, and I feel like that, it's like that dichotomy is not going to be, that isn't, I mean, it hasn't been effective. Like it has not been working. Like that's yeah. why we're sitting here talking right now. It doesn't work. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll keep reading that. And like I said, I'll post like stuff that I've read about. Yeah. And I'm going to read up some more about it too, because I mean, I think that's my next step. I, I have to, I, I want to figure out what really can be done as far as like, getting this systemic oppression to not be how it is anymore like i'm not i don't if i'm being completely honest i thought it was the other day like i literally just looked at greg i'm just like i'm not interested in really bringing children into this world this is how they're gonna have to live for another um 100 plus years like i don't i don't even just look at the timeline from like whenever slavery started to the civil rights movement to now that has not been that long yeah. and so it's just like like my mother always tells me stories about her being have integrated into um white schools and her having me bust over um to different places like that has not been that long and i think that we need to remember that so it's just like i don't want i'm not interested in bringing kids into a world where this is where they're gonna have to live and we're just yeah. gonna keep having the same problems so i mean if it's up to us our generation to really do the, the work as far as like really tackling systemic oppression and seeing what can be done about it and how we're going to solve this issue i mean that's where i'm at right now and that's where I, i'm trying to move forward to yeah, no, I definitely agree. And um, one topic that I wanted to cover too, this is just like very like general basic, but um, that I get a lot of questions about is, okay, what exactly is the Black Lives Matter movement? And what does, what does protesting solve? Like what, what is the point of protesting? So as a protester, as somebody who went, and somebody who mm -hmm. obviously advocates for the Black Lives Matter movement, like, how would you define what you I mean, doing? in general, for, I mean, just basing it off of what it was created for from the website and issues, like, that's all I can speak to, because, I mean, I, like, I didn't create it, so, but, but I'm a part of it. So, like, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement was created after the death of Trayvon Martin mm -hmm. and just the response to it as far as, like, really gaining support of that and actually tackling the issues that happen within the Black community um, and just, like, disenfranchising the Black people. So what they want to do is they go into places and create um, funding. They create just how you, like, support for people that have dealt with these things and really just help them attack the systemic racism that goes on to these different places. I mean, that's just, a, that's literally like the basis of it. And like, people are asking that question, I'm sorry. Like you can literally just like Google it like I did. Like <laughs> you can literally Google it. And it's just interesting now, just like how we're talking about this as like the movement and stuff. And just whenever it first came out, like the Black Lives Matter was seen as a terrorist organization. And that's what people I put the stigma on it as it being that like somebody else really trying to like attack America and stuff of that sort. But that's really not what it is at all. This is a human rights issue, a human rights movement that's really targeted at pushing people that have been minorities and disenfranchised for all of their lives to get equal rights. That's yeah. literally all it is at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in protesting right now, um, for me, I would say that uh, it helps. I mean, it helps my mental health in general, but it also just helps taking a stand and being publicly shown that we're not gonna handle we're not gonna deal with this a change must be made and i think that it is a peaceful way to show government that we're not standing for what's been going on for the i mean all of our lives but it's just the beginning it's not the end it's not that's just a, the first step to anything that we've been doing 
there yeah. has to be more. Yeah, definitely. And just like um, Janelle said, like, yes, protesting does help apply pressure. So, um, I mean, we have been speaking on this for years about, um, like, literally ever since 2013 when Trayvon Martin was killed. Um, and in 2014 when uh, Mike Brown was killed as well, like, how we have been fighting for, like, um, systemic justice. Yeah. And um, especially, specifically speaking out against police brutality. Um, and that's basically how the basis of the Black Lives Matter movement started. And, mm-hmm. um, but like I said, that started in 2013, 2014. And um, obviously nothing has changed. And so now people are protesting in order to make their voice heard. And it's now that like laws and um you know, actions are being taken against officers, as well as like laws are changing in regards to um, police force that can mm-hmm. and cannot be used. And like I said, like now they're finally having the conversation about how are we going to readjust the police force? Are we going to dismantle the system or defund the police? Like what it's making people take actionable steps towards yeah okay how are we going to fix this because obviously people are outraged yeah <laughs> and exactly. um but that's the thing if people never spoke up about it it would have just got brushed under the rug and it would have just been another black man who was you know killed by the police and it would have nothing would have happened you know yeah. and so that's why i feel like it is so important to use your voice um, in whatever capacity you can, even if it's not speaking out loud or using a platform or anything like that, even if it's just donating or signing petitions or things like that, because that's how change gets made is by knowing that enough people care about it in mm-hmm. order to do something about it. So yeah. that's why I felt like protesting was important. And especially for me, like I said, I protested in a predominantly white suburban area. Um, but for me, it was important to show all the Karens out there that like Black Lives Matter, you know? Yeah. And um, it was really important for me to like be able to, you know, show my face in that space and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, be able to say that Black Lives Matter. And it was, like I said, very also empowering to see um, white people, uh, you know, speak up about it too. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely agree. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Protesting um, people to pay attention, which leads to change, which is great. I protested last weekend. It made me feel like I was doing something important and more. Yeah, no, I totally agree. That's literally how I felt. And I felt like people were paying attention. And um, since all of this started, I definitely feel like change has been starting to be made. But at the same time, I don't want people to get too complacent because um, there's still a lot to do. And um, yeah, I really wanted my poster to say just because for uh four officers were charged does not mean the fight is over. That's really how I feel. Like just because um, George Floyd's um, George Floyd's officers are in the process of being convicted does not mean that ev- all of our problems are now solved. Yeah. Um, exactly. So yeah, keep like I said, this is just the beginning, guys. So yeah. we got to keep applying pressure, as defined by Case says. Apply the pressure. I like we that. got a lot to do. <laughs> But yeah, so all right. Well, yeah. If anybody has any quick questions or anything that you want us to touch on, then let us know. But I think um, until then, we will um, 
wait until maybe we'll maybe do this next week i guess yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe we can do this <laughs> make this a weekly thing or something yeah like i mean that. someone just said we should just start a podcast or something so i mean like oh we'll look into that so <laughs> but Honestly, i mean i'm down, I down to do a podcast or like youtube yeah i don't know situation we'll figure it out we will but, yeah. all right thanks okay right. and you can you save this as well as on your igtv so i can like uh yes as um it'll ask you after <laughs> <laughs> okay. i was like um sure yes do Technology. that quick question as i'm talking about wait we have a question and i can't even save an igtv video so yeah what's the question she said quick oh question. yeah define back hey let's hear it oh thanks and thanks guys yeah we will do it I, i'm down for a podcast Maybe yeah. easier than, I mean, we could just film our podcast, put on YouTube anyway. So yeah, I can talk all day. <laughs> hi, babe. <laughs> Do you want to come and say hi? Someone's asking a question. I was trying to say hi. <laughs> all good. Type it out. I got y'all typing now. <laughs> okay. Y'all, I'm hungry. My dinner has been sitting here this whole time. And I've been just trying not to eat and be a fatty on. I'm very hungry, so. Yeah, I'm what here. are we eating? I'm so hungry. I'm right now. Oh, Greg's cooking That's right now. Ooh. What is he making us? Uh, vegan fried rice. Vegan fried rice. But, um, okay, have y'all had any uncomfortable experiences in your workplace? Yes. Um, yeah. So, um, for me, my uncomfortable experience I will talk about right now is that this one lady, she's not my patient, but she always comes in. Now I just mean mug her because I just can't get out of my mind what she said. But last week, um, she was just, she came in, she was just like, oh my God, uh, you see all this looting and all these things that they have been doing downtown and um, talking about, like, it's just like such a negative conversation. Like all she was doing was just talking about the looting and stuff. And I, I, I was typing my computer, I just looked up like, and just stared and like looked at her and just saying like I do you not see me sitting right here so I like that was just the most uncomfortable thing for me and now every time I see her even today she walked in and I just looked kind of I don't know I I wear all my feelings on my face and so it's really <laughs> hard for me to it's good I have a mask on now because you can't oh, see yeah. this part so all you can see is me doing this <laughs> which is probably enough but yeah I mean that I can touch on that like I just I I don't know I don't know how to deal with that because even just like listening to the therapist's response like i she kind of doesn't say anything she kind of just like acts like she ignores it the lady's talking so loud that we all can hear yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's definitely uncomfortable and like i said i said earlier how i had to check my uh supervisor because he was making uh racist comments so um yeah so that was my experience um <laughs> definitely but Alicia, I'm glad that you would listen to our podcast if we actually make one. Right, so. so such as asking questions about your hair life or you. Oh, yes. As oh, yeah. That's, girl, that's a whole podcast in itself. I know. We don't have to touch on hair. Me, next we time. Touch, if we touch on this hair, girl. Mm. Lorcon. I should have made a YouTube channel in 2013 just about my hair journey. Cause yeah. It, it was we'll we'll touch on hair next time. Definitely. Same, same, sis. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, no. Look free. at all that hair, Greg. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure you went through the same thing. 
No, hey. for real. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, when they see, like, you know how we are real confident about our waves? Yeah, yeah. And they see you coming with a fresh cut. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not the same as you guys with the natural hair. Um, because that's just a whole movement with y'all. That's a whole lifestyle. But even just coming off a weekend with the fresh fade and the and just like the waves going deep and your girlfriend getting on you about literally putting your do rag on, and they ooh fresh cut. Don't, don't touch my. Hey, I be hyping those. I be hyping the guys too when they got that fresh fade. I'm like, let's go. But don't touch my head. No, but I'm hey, currently in salt Akon, water and deal with it a lot. Akon had that part in I Am Not My Hair. And he yeah. was talking about the guy's struggle, too. So it's out there. I believe it. I believe it. Definitely one, one two things I'm going to gather because I got to cook. Uh, we yeah. need to start supporting black businesses. Everybody oh, yeah. is literally going crazy over black businesses right now. Houston is having a whole movement on how we need to just start spending on black businesses for the next couple of months, you know, so just to enrich our, our culture with that. Uh, two, everybody start buying Ben and Jerry's. Everybody start oh gosh, buying Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> I saw the funniest tweet about Man. Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> Man, I'm about to post it, but it cuts too much in the tweet. Man, stop. Oh, man. They got, um, they got, uh, didn't they get um, put in jail for protesting? Yeah. They got put in jail. I'm about to go try to put something on their books. Hey. They, I definitely got their back. And, uh, yeah, and also Russell Westbrook, this is my last name. Russell Westbrook, one of the uh, NBA athletes, plays for the Houston Rockets. He's donating money to put forward a film um, towards um, Black Wall Street. Oh, yeah, he's he's funding yes. that, and he's uh, they uh, asking a lot of Black Wall yeah, That's exactly <laughs> a docu series. So he's really funding that, asking celebrities to join in. So I'm definitely for that. I'm pushing for that. So I mean, hey, let's mm. support it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like All, right. All right. Okay. Like All right. Well, yeah. So this is my time. I'm gonna have to dip out on y'all. But like she said, we'll see you next week.